you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome on in. Off the Edge with me, Cam Jordan. I'm the host. I'm the solo artist. Until I bring in, you know, some friends later, like the greatest to ever lace them up and, you know, throw for the most 5,000-yard seasons ever, win a Super Bowl in 2009, uh, two years before I got to the New Orleans Saints. Drew Breesiana, Drew or, you know, Drew or die. Uh, if there's a breeze, there's a way. You know, Drew Breeze, that's who we're bringing on later. But anyways, I also want to, you know, talk about the, you know, the, the CBS content for change, which is a series that I hope you guys will be impacted on. Not only how I'm using my platform to create a positive change in the community I'm in, in New Orleans, but as well as just think about how you can be a positive impact as well. So we're going free flow. We want to have that thing going. So tap in with me on Off the Edge with Cam Jordan. Make sure you spread the word. Tell a friend. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just saying, scoot off your seat just a little bit. Let's get off the edge with Cam J and talk about just things that happen across the league. You know, let's talk about Kevin Byard, which until we had the same Pro Bowl, I kept calling him Kevin Baird, Beard, Biard, Biard. My guy, Kenny Vaccaro, went from the Saints to Tennessee, and he corrected me, and I've been right ever since. Byard, Byard. Nope, maybe I've not been right. Baird. Either way, all pro, Pro Bowl safety, Kevin B, is now going to the Philadelphia Eagles. And you gotta, you gotta remember, like, players are just commodities at the end of the day. Like, to be traded, an all-pro guy, somebody who's been a staple for the uh, Titans defense for so long, is now going to the Philadelphia Eagles, which have unlimited weapons on defense. Their entire D-line are weapons. You know, so uh, one of the Edmund brothers is now going to Tennessee, and they didn't even mention it, but Kevin Beard is now going to, fired, is going to Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to keep messing up his name, and that is disrespectful because that man is a dog. Hopefully he does well in Philadelphia. I know the Philadelphia defense is stacked. Continuing on, right? Across the league, you're looking around. You see, you know, Monday Night Football, Minnesota Vikings pull off a, a win against the 49ers. Cameron Bynum, B University of California, Bears product. Cameron Bynum comes up with a big interception. I just to say shout out to another uh, uh, University of California uh, product. Uh, go Bears. University of California at Berkeley if you need to know. Cal. So now let's just move on. Speaking of, you know, just looking across the league, can we just like take a second and, and talk about what happened with Denver Broncos, Kareem Jackson? Reem? My dog has been a heavy hitter his whole career. He's in year 14, still putting out hits. He hits a he hits a wide receiver, and they ended up ejecting him, giving him a suspension for a hit where two people are moving at their fastest, meeting, colliding. I, can't you sort of put that on part of the game? This game is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak. What do you want him to do? Let him get extra yards. Your best defense is, man, we used to be the Legion of Boom. Legion of Boom. San Francisco, when they went to went to the uh, Super Bowl in 2011, 
they had Dante Hittner, Navarro Bowman. They had Patrick Willis. That being said, I'm just saying, like, make the like. It's a part of the game to go ahead and have those, those the safety coming downhill. That's a part of the game. These defensive players are nervous to smack somebody because they're close to the sideline. So now they get an extra five yards because you don't want to really hit them because he could step out of bounds right before he does, and now it's a rough in the rough in the uh, defensive player or whatever the the penalty is. Come on, man, rough in the passer. How is that a thing if it's within a protocol? If I catch a quarterback in the backfield and he's got his hand still like he's got his hand on balls and he's trying to tuck it. Ah, there ain't no roughing anything at that point. That's a sack. If you see a, a wide receiver catch a ball, I'm, a, a, a safety should be coming downhill to meet him. I'm just saying there's, 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 there's defenses and it seems like we're fighting the world. That being said, you know, there's a lot of great games being played. I think, you know, you look across the league and you see Miles Garrett having the time of his life with his juke moves, with his shoulder shimmies, um, and I'm looking like, hey, he's going against these quarterbacks holding a pill. Let's see some of that. You know, Miles Garrett has, has been showing his tail off this year. Um, but he had two sacks, uh, blocked a punt, batted a pass. <laughs> what what didn't he do this last week? Man, you love to see it. Uh, and you talk about, you know, they got he blocked a yeah, blocked a punt. My bad. Um, he blocked a field goal. I mean, there just wasn't a stat line Miles Garrett didn't touch. So when, when it all comes down to it, man, it's the more fun that they have better defensive plays. Like, that's what it takes, that defensive mindset to start having fun. That's how you see defenses take over, you know? I'm thinking we're going to have to talk about this game, which seems like it's so far away. When you get, like, a four-day break, it seems like you had a full bye week. You know, we played a Thursday night game against the Jaguars and lost to them, which I'm still not getting over. You know, uh, I think there was a couple plays in this game where we had a chance to win. I, I, there's always going to be room for improvement, and it, I'm always going to put it on defense. If our defensive line uh, stops Trevor Lawrence from scrambling, turns those so at least one or two of those scrambles through whatever it was into sacks, it's going to put ourselves in a better position to uh, give more opportunities to our offense. I think our offense woke up late in the fourth quarter, um, and you have to be able to you have to be able to go start to finish. You have to come in in all phases and be be exactly who you think you are. That being said, we've got the Indianapolis Colts uh, to go to this upcoming weekend. We have to be on our toes. We have to come out swinging. We have to uh, deliver, deliver the fight to them each and every play from start to finish. Um, sitting here with 10 games left, like I said, ton of positive views, uh, in terms of, I think there's some room we can grow and some areas we can eliminate. And once that happens, you're going to start seeing these wins stack. That's what we're looking forward to. All right. So that's the saints. And we're going to push that to the side right now, simply because we can't just harp on the saints. We talk about this podcast, you know, we're, we're more than that. So the next segment being the CBS content for change series uh, that I'll be featured on will be coming up November 5th on CBS on NFL today. I think that it's a, a great series. Then you're going to, you know, highlight the community work that I'm a part of in terms of new Orleans, as well as give shout outs to guys that I see doing the work. Um, you know, there's, there's guys on our team alone, Tyron Matthews, Demario Davis, um, that are in the community heavy, um, creating work, creating positive vibes, uh, and, and creating positive impacts in our surrounding community. So I'm always going to say shout out to my teammates who are doing the work. Um, you're also going to, you know, just talk about how I've been able to partner up with Crescent City Corps, how, you know, my, my foundation, God is Love, has been able to 
do shoe givebacks, you know, has has been able to do these these camps where kids remember, hopefully creating everlasting impacts, going to school visits, talking every Tuesday since I can recall being a part of the Orleans Saints, uh, talking to different middle schools and high schools, just trying to inspire the youth, the next generation to be more than what they currently are. I grew up watching my father, Steve Jordan, Minnesota Vikings extraordinaire, uh, Minnesota Vikings, Ring of Honor, uh, Minnesota Vikings, 50, all 50th team, you know, all world tight end, six-time Pro Bowler, et cetera. Go out to the community and I want to give back. He started. He helped start up the first T program in Phoenix. And growing up like that, you, when you have physical evidence of how to give back to the community, it's easy to do so. You know, so growing up, I was like, how can I make my change? And talking to these kids, seeing these kids have a positive vibe, teaming up with great programs like whether it be Boys and Girls Club, Club early on in my uh, in my career or uh, YEP program, which is, you know, Youth Empowerment Project, which turn, like it speaks for itself. But being able to partner up with them on different drives, different accesses, different initiatives, and it makes it all worth the while just to see, you know, these smiles on people's faces. Um, so that's hopefully what I think people will take from the content for change. That being said, we're going to transition on over to, you know, maybe like the last school visit that that sort of went viral. Um, sitting there over at St. Anthony School uh, out in Gretna, which is the West Bank, which some people call is the best bank. Um, I, I had this chance to talk to 10 or 12 different classrooms. You know, you figure 15 to 25 kids in each classroom. I'd like to say I saw at least 300 kids, right? Um, and, a, and a moment went viral all through, you know, my Twitter and social, you know, on my socials uh, about this little kid who had this face was like, and then right after he was like, hey, why are you here? Man, because I'm here for you, bro. Like, I want to see you be great. I want you to, you know, to, I want you to be, hit that next level, whatever that next level is. If you're a B student, I want you to have A's. If you're an A student, I want you to have A pluses. Um, it, he ended up getting, Invited them to the game. You know, the Saints did a phenomenal job in in, in finding them, hooking them up uh, with the with the field passes. I don't even know where you get those from, so don't ask me. I'm not the guy for that. But they hooked them up with those. And, you know, next thing I know, I, I get to rap with my man for a little bit. Little brother looks just like him. You know, like it's a, it's a smooth gang. So hopefully he's inspired. I think that his parents clearly have done a great job of him being such a, a young, energetic, and respectful kid, bro. You know, I just, I, I'm hopefully that smile will never leave. Um, and he can look back on that moment as a, as a positive impact in his life. So that's just, man, it's, it's good times and major blessings, big vibes. And we moving on again, transitioning. I just want to say, you know, coming up next, I'm going to bring in, uh, you know, somebody who I consider has always been a leader, somebody who has always been uh, willing to mentor any and everybody and who always has the right mindset to attack a game plan to attack the way he works. Uh, and that's with my guy, Drew Brees. So coming up next, I'm bringing in former teammate, Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl MVP, legend of the Saints, Drew Breeziana, Drew Orleans. It's breezy. It's easy. It's breezy. It's Drew Brees. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It is my honor and my privilege to bring in uh, a teammate, a leader uh, of sorts, a leader of men, because beyond just football, he, he does everything. Well, I don't know who he doesn't lead. You look up to him. I look up to him. The world looks up to him. It's Drew Orleans, Drew Breeziana. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's Drew's way. It just is what it is. Drew Breeze, Breeziana. My dog, Mark V, would hit him with all types of nicknames while he was throwing. Nice ball, number nine. I see Drew Breeziana is sailing today. You know, those type of situations as we were practiced from 2011 through 2020, when I was teammates, he was part of the New Orleans Saints from 2000. Nine, six, 2006 to 2020. Woo! 15 years in New Orleans. Drew Brees, I appreciate you tapping in with me, big dog. Oh, welcome to Cam. Off the edge with Cam Jordan. Man, Jay, you make me feel good, man. I miss, I miss, I don't have a hype, I don't have a hype guy anymore, you know? Ah. Like, you know, when I'm just, when I'm feeling down or depressed or, you know, just like down on myself, I've just got to, I just got to hit you up. You, you and Mark, man, y'all are like my, y'all are my guys. Come on, man. Hey, you're, you're, you're my goat. You're, you're my yeah. goat. You know, like nobody in the history of the NFL has ever thrown for four more 5,000 yard seasons. You know, now that you're retired, I can say these things with confidence. Nobody's going to do it. You know, Super Bowl MVP. What, you know, been to the Super Bowl. Should have, could have gone back to two or three of them in 2011 and 2019. Like, could have, could have been, could have been records. Could have been, could have been us. Hey, I wouldn't. But, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade any of it, man. Those. 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 Fifteen years and shoot, we had a lot. We had ten seasons together, Cam. Ten. Ten. I mean, ten. I mean, you're, you're you're that. You came in as that that young pup, you know, talented but kind of big eyes, right? Like trying to figure it out. And now look at you, man. You're like you're the old dog. You're man. the one everybody goes to, giving out words of wisdom and advice based on no. all this wealth of knowledge and experience you have now, man. No doubt. Who's, 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 who's your, you know, who's your jeweler? Who's, who's your suit guy? <laughs> right. Who's your, right. <laughs> like, I'm like, bro, like, who can we get to football? Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Who's like, who, who's your barber? I don't have a barber. I've been doing my hair like for so long. I got a great barber now, but like, you know, like who's your masseuse? I can't give you my masseuse because I use him and I, can, I can't right. have him being too congested. That's right. Yeah. There's some secrets that just, you know, can't, yeah. can't, can't give out, you know, ask. Absolutely. But like I said, leaders of men, Drew, let's talk about this. Uh, my kid plays in, in your league. I, I say it's the Drew League. Uh, I believe the name of the league is FNA. I call it Drew Orleans Ball. But, um, you know, we, you started that up a couple years back. When did that yeah. start up? How did it get to New Orleans? It's actually funny. I just, I just kind of recognized what was behind me here. I've got this. Uh, that's actually right there. Uh, that's a little thank you from one of my, my FNA uh, flag football teams. Um, uh, I, I coach. I've coached just about all my my boys. So let's see. This is hard to believe too. My boys are now 14, 13, and eleven. So ninth grade, seventh grade, sixth grade. But um, had a chance to coach them all the way up. So yeah, we we started. Yeah, our uh, Balin. It was actually this started when Balin was in kindergarten. He was playing in a flag football league, um, and it was a good league. But it was one of those things where I just saw all kinds of areas where it could improve. From just the overall family experience to the rules to and, – and then it really just got me on this path of, you know, youth football is interesting because, yeah, once you get to tackle, it is what it is. But the flag game 
is so so different because a there's all these different leagues and they're playing by different rules some are five on five some are six on six some are seven on seven different field sizes different flag like like all kinds of stuff and i was like how do i standardize this to a point where this becomes the the, the type of flag football that's played that everybody really embraces because it's safe it's fun and it prepares kids in the best way for tackle football if they choose to want to go on and play tackle so that was really the kind of the objective was how do we create the gold standard for flag football that kids can play and enjoy with 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 like the reality that you know maybe 30 to 40 percent of all the kids that play flag football end up going on and playing tackle but that's not the point the point i think for me and for you is football has meant so much in our life and it's it's taught us so much about life. We've developed so many traits, qualities, attributes as a result of football. And I think it's important that every kid gets a chance to experience that. And it doesn't have to be the tackle level, but how can we help them develop a love and a passion for the game that they'll carry with them forever? And if it wasn't for flag football, they may never get a chance to experience it. No doubt. That's, that was like the origin and um, I think the, you know, really the story behind how FNA started. And that was in 2017 in New Orleans. We started off with three leagues and then brought it to California and then leagues started popping up in Texas and in the Midwest and other places. So now we've got 30 leagues nationwide represented about eight states and it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Right. I was like, it's, it's, it's taken off. My daughter, uh, my five-year-old Nia plays flag and football. She just scored her first touchdown this past weekend. And as, as a dad, I was like, Oh, she's finally in there. Cause at five years old, you either have like the, the really, really good kids that I swear have been training since birth. And you have everybody else at five years old. They're just like, oh, and there's an anthill right here. And just oh, lollygagging. Man, yeah. it's, it's like complete opposites. And now, like, you know, you see that difference. But she just scored her first touchdown. And previously she was on soccer. And now she's like, dad, I like, I like playing flag football. I was like, hey, baby, that's all I want to do. Expose you to something different. Yeah. You know? Well, here's the other thing is, you know, they just, uh, they just made the announcement last week that flag football will be in the 2028 olympics in los angeles unveiling yeah. flag football. so it's going to be a five-on-five -five version which i think is probably more appropriate just as you think about you know the the worldwide uh kind of embracing of uh the sport of football um that probably kind of brings the competitive levels you know more more equal to you know you know across all countries but you, you you saw it this year with what they did with NFL teams, basically having a chance to partner with different countries. Like I went over to France on behalf of the Saints, you know. So the France is kind of like our sister country, you know, for the New Orleans Saints. So it's one of our charges now, you know, across all the NFL teams, is to you know partner with a country around the world and then help provide support resources to help grow the game of football in those countries. So that here in five years, we're going to have young young men and young ladies out there representing their countries playing flag football. So what a, what a great way to continue to grow the sport around the world. And also, I think for young girls, give them a vision for what's possible, right? Like young girls up until this point have been playing flag football and hey, it's fun, but at some point it ends. Well, now it doesn't necessarily have to end, right? Like you have a chance to go on and represent your country at the Olympics, become an Olympian doing that. Drew, I'm not saying you're timeless, but I'm saying like you were slinging the rock at 40 years old. 2028, are you, are you, are you still going to try and get out there and sling that thing one good time? I seen, look, I just saw yeah. you. I just saw hey. you just last weekend, Drew. Uh, I'm just saying, I saw, I saw the heater. Saying, I saw the heater with the left. I'm, did you I'm, see how I was going to say? You saw me throwing left. Look, if I train, man, it's so tempting, bro. It's so <laughs> tempting. Um, 
I might change I, positions by 2028. Like I may lose 30 to try and get in. Well, I would, I, I'm more so, I, I think I've passed the baton on to, to the young, to the young breeze kids, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, to, and, and to tank, to tank Jordan, you know, I think, I think, I think we're passing the baton on to the next generation to go represent the U S in the Olympics. I'm saying like your oldest kid to be like 18 or 19. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like we're, we're here. That's we're here. Right about time. That, that makes yeah. sense. Hey, I might, I might have to hold it down for the, for the Jordan clan. Try and just drop 30 and be like, yeah, what's up? I'm, I'm here for this five on five. Yeah. 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 Uh, mega, mega, mega try. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hey, uh, treat, treat me like Jimmy, Jimmy in 2013. <laughs> if you see me in the end zone, you know, it's good. Right. Right. TDB, that was that was that was Jimmy and my saying back in the day. TDB, you know what it stands for? <laughs> Throw me the damn ball. Throw me the damn ball. Huh? If I'm if I'm in the end zone, I'm open. Okay. Nobody right. else around here is six seven two seventy. I'm open. Nobody, nobody. And you know, while I've I've never actually asked you this question because you know, I'm just thinking I'm thinking like draft comparables because now I got I'm thinking about my kids in the draft, your kids in the draft. Every year they come out with like those comparables, right? The next Cam Jordan, the next, you know, is I have not seen a next Drew Brees. And is there one? Have you ever seen somebody comparative? I and I only bring this up because Teron said Tua is like the next Drew Brees. Teron Armstead over in Miami was like, man, he's got a lot of measurables, a lot of comparables to Drew Brees. And I said, huh. Okay. Well, first off, everybody and look, Sean Page used to say this all the time, like We'd, we'd sit around and talk about personnel. You know, you're trying to see how different guys fit into the system, whether it's offense or defense. And look, we're all visual people. And so if you can, anytime you can take someone and, and, and give them a comparison, I think it just gives you an immediate vision as to, oh, okay. Like now, now I see how that guy fits into this offense because I know the guy's skill set that you were just talking about. If we're saying this guy can eventually be that guy, all right, I've got a vision for him, right? So I think the first the first thing I think of when somebody says like, oh, that's a Drew Brees. First off, you're talking about a short quarterback. Like, let's just be honest. You're, you're talking about a guy who's like, you know, on the shorter side. Right. So maybe part of the six foot and under club like yours truly right here. You Woo! Um, but Finally I like admit it, bro. I, I appreciate that. It's about hey, time. But I like to think that we've changed the perception or the misconception about the short quarterback. Right. Like back when I was first coming into the league, like that was a big deal. Even 10 years ago, that was a big deal. I think enough has happened now where you see the Russell Wilsons, the Kyler Murrays, the Baker Mayfields, some of these other guys now that are, man, they're like six foot, six one. And I don't even, it's not even discussed anymore. Like that used to be the first thing out of somebody's mouth if they were trying to, you know, talk bad about a kid coming out of eyes, he's, he's, he's only six foot. Nobody right. says that anymore, right? So I think the game has evolved and changed enough to where maybe that misconception has gone. But then, like, let's look at the other things. Okay, I was never the strongest arm guy, right? Like, I, I felt like I could make all the throws, but I was forced to throw with anticipation because, it, you know, maybe I didn't have as strong an arm as some of the other guys in the league. Well, what does throwing with anticipation force you to do? It forces you to be prepared and to be on the same page with your receivers, to have incredible chemistry, to know – what the defense is because you got to know where defenders are and where they're not because guess what you aren't always going to see those defenders but you're going to know the spot and you're going to have to trust that i've always felt like accuracy is trust and anticipation 
right? Trust, trust the play, trust the coverage, trust the guy you're throwing to, anticipate the throw, and the ball is where it needs to be. And you got to expect your guy to be there too. Why do you expect him to do that? Because you've worked at it, right? Because right. you worked at it. Did you did did you develop that at Purdue or the Chargers or when did, you, you didn't just like you weren't straight out of Texas like anticipation? I got no. Nah, I mean, but I kind of was though. I mean, that's to to me that that's always been my survival mechanism. You know, like you learn to survive, right? I mean, call it what you want. Animals in the wild, like right, like you chameleons changing color so they don't get attacked. You know, like like they blend in, like that's. You, you have to do what you have to do in order to survive and get the job done. And so if you're not a strong arm guy, you have to learn to throw with anticipation or else ball's not going to get there on time. Ball's going to get knocked down, picked off, and not going to succeed. So I look at guys like Tua. I look at guys like Brock Purdy. Um, to me, maybe those are two of the guys that are most similar from the perspective of, hey, they're shorter quarterbacks, right? Um, they're not the strongest arm guys. Um, I would say, look, man, like they've got a lot of experience. I mean, Tua, Tua, Tua had a lot of college snaps. Um, Brock Purdy at Iowa State had a lot of college snaps. I was a three-year starter in college. I think that's something that as scouts look at, you know, young QBs, they can't be underestimated. And that is their experience level in college. Like look at the hype that was put around guys like Mitch Trubisky, Trey Lance. And I'm not saying those guys aren't going to become, you know, great players, but those guys only had 11 games or less in college, right? So you think about the number of games, the number of snaps, the amount of experience, like you kind of expect them to come in and be this world beater. Well, no, that takes time, right? It takes time because it takes experience and it takes reps and just time on task, right? So I think these are all things that as you look at like this next generation of QBs and experience in college is so important, right? And then, you know what? Height's no longer an issue. Like, can this dude process the game? Does he have leadership ability? Can he throw with anticipation? Does he fight back from adversity? Like, does he have some mental toughness and fortitude to, like, overcome tough situations? Because everybody's going to face those tough situations, even within the course of a game. Does this guy have a mechanism where he can move on from bad plays and get on to the next play and not let that affect, you know, what's going to happen next and get right back on track? Can you can, – can you – quantify that as an attribute though like can you be like oh what is his mentality as from from drafting somebody like you like oh you you can you can only deal with your tangibles how do you is there a gauge for that well i'd say this like man like i'm gonna bring up names that that you know because we played with these guys like pierre thomas was the first guy that came to mind right pierre thomas undrafted free agent out of university illinois right nobody's heard of pierre thomas comes in and basically makes our 2017 by blocking like two punts in preseason because we had drafted Antonio Pittman, a, um, uh, a running back out of Ohio State, like in the third or fourth round, right, that year. Yeah. And here's PT coming in as an undrafted free agent. And basically, he's only going to make the team on special teams, right? So he ends up making the team, but he plays so well in the preseason that, like, we're forced to cut this other guy, right? Man. And then he starts off the year at, like, four-string running back. He blocks a punt on Sunday Night Football at uh, Seattle. When they're undefeated, no seven, right? And then before the end of the year, this dude's a starter. The last day of the season we played at Chicago, we had 100 yards rushing, 100 yards receiving. It's like the first time it had ever been done in Saints history. Drew, 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 what what year is that? And why do you remember? Dude, I got because I got crazy recall when it comes to this kind of stuff because like these are life lessons, right? Like these are the things that I'll sit up at night and tell my kids, or like something will happen 
in a game and I'll be like, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about somebody, right? And like Pierre Thomas, here's a dude who was just constantly sold short. Like, man, you're not, you're not good enough. We're not going to draft you. Like, you have to make the team on special teams, this and that. Like, this dude did nothing but earn it, like, every single day, right? Until all of a sudden it was time for him to get his opportunity, and guess what? He was ready. He was ready. And he wasn't afraid of failure. He wasn't afraid of adversity. He wasn't afraid of challenges or stuff being hard because he'd been through it, man. He'd been through it his whole life, right, all the way up through his career too. How many times have we seen guys come in this league and, man, it's just been spoon-fed to them? It's been given to them. They never really had to, never really had to face, like, that kind of adversity or earn it. Like, it's, it's just been coddled a little bit. Um, and all of a sudden, stuff gets hard, you know, and I've never had to face this before. I don't know what this is like. And they go in the tank and they don't have that mechanism just to be able to, like, man, this is just part of life, right? This is what's here to make me better. And, you know, like, I'm ready for this. It's probably the main thing that's wrong with the transfer portal right now. You're just, you're just making it easy on everybody. Oh, you're, you're unhappy? Oh, okay, you, you, can, you, you always have an out. Well, guess what? What happens if you're in a situation where you don't have an out? you got to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. that's we are depriving a lot of these college kids the opportunity to face adversity and to develop the traits and attributes they're going to help them be the best that they can be, not just in, in athletics, but in life. Right, on and off the field. Depriving these kids, man. Let's, let's make them work for it. Make them earn it. Get off my soapbox now, Cam. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. As, but also, I'll be seeing these kids leave for these bigger NIL deals, and I'm like, and that's what you get. When you ball out, you get a bigger call. That's yeah, so what are we, yeah, so, so, so what's, what, are we putting, what are we putting the priority on? Are we putting it on education? Are we putting on being in the best system, the best program, the best coach, like the best environment? No. Maybe. Hey, maybe, you know, if you're if you're leaving, you know, uh, like uh, uh, Ohio a State and you, you know, because you're not starting there or whatever it is, and you get a transfer into like a University of California, Ber- Berkeley, you've just elevated your education right there. Boom. But how hard is it to be a college coach right now? Man. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. My D line, my D line coach now is a DC over at Oregon, or my D line coach from college at Cal is a DC over at Oregon. And I mean, luckily they have forty five different jerseys every other week, so I mean it's probably a little easier his ways. But it's yeah, th- th- these kids don't care. They're going for dollar signs now. Coach time, where you have an endless budget, right? Where you are Nick Saban, right? Like right. you. It's so hard, man. It's so hard. This actually, NIL is the, or not NIL. Transfer portal is the best thing for Alabama. Best thing for Alabama. You know why? Because Alabama can never make a bad investment. Never make a bad investment. What if I told you, Cam, that you could invest money into something, and if it doesn't work out, you just get your money back, and you can move on to the next one. Like, you'd never go wrong, right? My point is this. Alabama's recruiting pitch to kids is, hey, come here. We'll coach you hard. We'll get the best out of you. Every year we're going to bring in the best players. And if it doesn't work out for you, you can transfer and give us back that scholarship. How about that? Right? So it works both ways. Yeah, but, man, it's really good for Alabama. Think about it. (laughs) Otherwise, Alabama would have to be really selective, right? Because all of a sudden you recruit a kid, he comes in, maybe he's not what you thought he was, you're stuck with him. You're not stuck with him anymore. You just, you just treat him like crap so he leaves and then you take a scholarship back and you still make another investment. You never lose. Man. Never lose. 
I mean, that's so. I, I, I like now that you say I'm formulating what's what's going wrong. I'm like, all right, no, that 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 creates a lot of holes in the thing. Like these kids, yeah, absolutely. So now, where do these kids formulate the mindset to become a leader? Like you, like in my mind, at college, like that's how I became a leader. It was like that freshman. Sure, I, I was a true freshman, so like I fought to get playing time. I fought, you know, I was on all special teams. In my mind, ice popped off my freshman season. I made the first tackle on kickoff against Tennessee at Cal, right? And I was like, I had to work my way up. Even, you know, like that made me who I was. I looked at a defensive end opposite of me, Tyson Alulu, who ended up going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, like top 10 picks or whatever it was. Like there was a mission there. I was like, I got want to be better than him. I, I, there's like, you know, goals there. There was never leave Cal, I guess. It was like, how do I make the best of this four years that I have? Exactly. And so, so let, let's be honest. Like, look, man, there was moments during my freshman year where I, I questioned myself. I questioned, you know, was I doing the right thing? Was I in the right environment? Was I in the right situation? Like, every, I think every kid has those feelings and emotions. Perfectly natural. But if the answer to that is suck it up, like learn to handle adversity, it's supposed to be hard. Embrace the challenge. You're not going anywhere. Like, then you you work through it. On the other hand, if it is, hey, it's okay. You can just leave. You can you can hit the reset button on, on your video game controller, right? You're having a bad game. You just hit the reset button and just go somewhere else and just start over, right? It's okay. And, oh, guess what? If it doesn't work out there, let's hit the reset, reset again. Let's just keep... Let's just keep kicking this can down the road. Let's just keep transferring out till you find something. Like, come on. Jeez. Come on. Now, look, I'm not saying that at some point, like, look, Joe Burrow's a perfect example. He goes to Ohio State, red shirts, sits for two he years, gets beat out, gets beat out time and again, and then finally has the realization, you know what? Like, I'm not going to play here. And then he goes over to LSU. Yeah, so, you know what? I'm going to transfer out. But, man, he was there three seasons at least. I believe. Um, and so he's, man, he's had to fight through it. He's had to struggle. He's had to, now he's got a giant chip on his shoulder when he leaves three years later. And look what happens when he goes to LSU. So look, there are, there are successful examples of that, but it was after a period of time where had to like get through the fire a bit. They mm -hmm. had to suffer a bit. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure that, that Joe Burrow would 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 recognize the value of being at Ohio State for three years. It probably, I mean, probably made him a, more of a more of a leader because he valued it that much more. No question, man. I'll tell you what really comes as a result of that is gratitude, and that's probably the greatest trait that that any of us could have is gratitude. Drew, just bringing it back to you, would that add into your leadership qualities? Like, when did you become a leader? Because when I got there, you already had the the huddle chance going. And like, when did you become a leader? Have you, you weren't just a born leader, or maybe you were. Texas football is different. I don't know. But like, when did, when did you know you were, let, let's just keep it to, you know, the professional anyway. So when did, when did you know? I'd say this. I, I'd say I've always loved sports, right? I've always gravitated to sports. You know, sports always gave me great confidence. You know, um, I always felt like I was an athletic kid, you know, so I could pick up a sport and I could, you know, usually figure it out pretty quick. You know, and, and then I'd be good at it. And then that would build self-esteem and all that stuff. So I've always wanted to be the guy who had the ball in his hands, right? If I'm playing basketball, I'm either the point guard or the shooting guard. If I'm playing baseball, I'm either the pitcher or the shortstop, right? Like the list goes on, right? Like I want to be the dude with the ball in his hands 
going to win the game, right? Or who's in charge? Who's in control of the moment and the situation, right? And getting people on the same page and all that. Like, I, 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 I dig that. Like, I thrive on that stuff, right? So I do think there is some some innate stuff that happens with that where you can just see it in some kids, right? Like, when you're on the field, you're like, man, that guy's got some natural leadership ability, right? But so much of what I learned through the years was from having great mentors, from being around incredible players, like watching guys, like when I stepped in the locker room my rookie year, I was staring at Junior Seau and Rodney Harrison on the other side of the ball. And I was terrified of these dudes. But like also like just profound respect because these dudes were the first one there. They were working their ass off. Like during practice, man, they did not let anything slide, nothing. So like they set the tone early as to this is the level of expectation. This is the way that we operate around here. And if you don't like it, get the out, right? Like right. you had to get in line. And right. then I'm right alongside LaDainian Tomlinson, right? And then Lorenzo Neal comes in, who was an awesome mentor for me. I had Doug Flutie there. I mean, I, and then, you know, I'm co- playing for Marty Schoenheimer, one of the greatest coaches of all time. And I come to New Orleans and it's Sean Payton and it's all the guys like you and others that we played with that I had a chance to be around every day and like woke up every day wanting to go win for. So like the, you're so much of a product of your environment. And those that you're surrounded with, and they just bring out the best in you. Like I've always felt like, what's the best leadership trait? Like if you were boiling down, what's the best description of a leader? It's someone who can bring out the best in other people. And that's done in a lot of different ways, right? Like I would call Marcus Colston and Darren Sproles leaders. Those guys, as you know, did not say much, but all you had to do was watch them work. And if that didn't inspire you, then I don't know if you got a heartbeat, right? Like those dudes would come to work and work their tail off. And like, I was so inspired by those guys every day. So I just, I feel like I'm just a product of being around some great people. Right. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you say that and you can, you know, Marcus Colston, nine, 1000 yard seasons, called him the quiet storm, but it does say something for the guys who work and talk and inspire. Cause you can be inspired by watching anybody you know but when you talk that talk and you walk that walk then like that's where in my mind you become a leader like you can dub anybody a captain i feel like a captain is a patch a leader is something more like it feels like a leader is a rally point and that's what i like to be like i want to be a rally point because i'm balling because i'm doing things the right way like you look you 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 just gravitate towards all right well if he's doing this i can push myself to be more so that's why you were a rally point like a leader you know there's certain guys you just look for like Bro, the amount of work that he puts in, I got to put in more. Like, if he, you're, you're challenging me to be better, you know? And like, and that's what I, what I like. Like, oh, we talk, we talk about excellence. Well, that's why we're being excellent, because there's so many things that were, were going on. Like, this, like, even this season in New Orleans, like, we, t- we, we caught up uh, Thursday after we, after we lost, and I was like, you know, I was like, just catching up, trying not to talk football. But now that I got you on this podcast, what do you see from this first seven weeks of, of New Orleans Saints football? <laughs> And how can that be cleared up and or get better? How would you assess us? Let's go with that word. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I think, I think defensively, you guys have been pretty consistent. I think offensively, it's been, it's been a bit inconsistent. Um, I, I, I think there's, as you look at, as you look at every game you've played, I think you would look at it and say, man, there's no reason why you couldn't have won all of them. I, I know Tampa, Tampa got a little out of control, right? But, but besides that. I mean, 
you guys could be sitting here at whatever seven six and one. Six and one. Yeah, we could be sitting at six and one, respectively. Yeah. Just right. So, so you know that part's kind of frustrating because uh, I think you know that there's more in the tank. Um, look, I think all the pieces are there. Like it, it'd be one thing if you were sitting here saying, "Man, I think you know you've had some significant injuries, or you know you just you're really missing some key components." I don't, I don't think you are at all. Certainly, as I look at it, like I look offensive side of the ball, you know, um, man, when we go up tempo, I think we are highly effective. I think that creates a great rhythm for the offense. I think that's when we are at our best. I think that was shown in the fourth quarter the other night, right? We get down, all of a sudden we're up tempo, man, we're moving the ball right down the field. And I'm probably, they were, it's not like they were just playing prevent and letting it happen. I mean, they were, they were, they were running the same pressures. They were doing the same stuff. They're doing the whole game. We were just a bit more on point because we had this rhythm and this flow going sense of urgency i feel like when we go when teams go huddle up it's either one they're trying to slow the defense down or two their desperation is kicked in yeah yeah i would i would say this man we we have always been an offense that had a lot of of things for defense to worry about right um you got Kamara in the backfield you got tight ends that are explosive you got receivers all over the place playmakers that are tough one-on-one matchups, right? So I still feel like that is the case, right? Like I, I still see Mike T being a guy who can catch seven or eight balls a game. I see dudes in Olave and Shahid that are like Meacham and Devery were for us back, you know, in that, that, that window from seven to 13, where like air raid, like push the ball down the field. You know, when you get in the red zone, we said it earlier in the in the in the show. Strike. If uh, if Jimmy's standing in the, in the end zone, I don't care who's there or who's covering him. Um, that that would be a great that'd be a great spot to use him. Um, I mean, look, there's Taysom Hill. Is it, it, like I'm 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 still amazed at like everything that I see from him, and I should know Take better. I should know better because I, I've seen everything this dude can do, and yet I'm sitting there watching the game on Thursday night, and the guy was the tight end in two minutes. He probably had 35 snaps at the tight end position, in addition to quarterback, in addition to running back, in addition to all these other positions that he plays. And it's still like, man, it's like one of the greatest weapons in the league, right? And so I think, like, if anything, that would just get me really excited about the rest of the season. And as this continues to unfold, I think with more of a tempo and and just kind of, you know, creating the rhythm, um, getting the ball into these playmakers' hands in space, right, which we've got plenty of them, um, and then just finding those matchup problems that, that we've got them all over the field. Um, I think that we're in a great spot. I really do. I think, I say, with 10 games left, I feel like there's so much potential. We have to capitalize, like, now. It's becoming, you know, we used to have those gotta-have-it wins. It's becoming in that sense of, like, we have to be able to turn it on now. You know, years prior, we've talked about stacking wins and getting – it starts with this week. So we're going into this week with this mentality to win. And, you know, as, as you've taught me over the years, leadership is so important in these, you know, in these locker rooms. This locker room feel, it's leadership, and it's these rally points that this is where you take that, hey, okay, we're three and four. This is how we go beyond to that next step. It's time to elevate, and it starts with the leaders up top. So I appreciate you tuning in, bro. I know you got things you got to do. I want to talk about pickleball and how your game is because I still have yet to do it. But we'll, we'll talk about that another day. I just want to know, it's, it's being a pickleball owner. Will you get, we, we've got to get the Saints to build a couple pickleball courts right there next to the, uh, 
the, the indoor facility and we can get some games going. All right. Like a little off season, maybe a little Tuesday off day run around, you know, like let's, let's get this going. Right. I mean, you're already a pickleball team owner. How much longer do I have to wait till I just hear that ticker go across? Drew Brees. Hey, yeah. hey come on. I'm just saying. Fine. Yeah, you say no. Yeah, look, I, I like leaving it to the pros there. You know, I'll just, I'll just kind of, you know, just be working behind the scenes. Okay, perfect. perfect. Appreciate you chopping in, bro. Uh, yeah. Go, go, go. Tell the kids and fam I said hi. They'll be great. Yeah. Continue being uh, legendary. Brother, hey, peace. Keep it later, brother. All yes, man, sir. Brother. Man, you you think about Drew Brees tapping in with with the podcast that's legendary. I mean, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's Drew Breesiana. Come on, everybody. Nice ball, number nine. Used to be all you heard at practice. He'd air it out. You know, Jimmy would, would score in the end zone. You'd have Marcus Colston, you know, Devery Henderson, Pierre Thomas, Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks, all, the, the myriad and gambit of, of wide receivers over the years that – uh, was able to, you know, Robert Meacham was able to uh, catch from one of the greatest to ever do it, ever, ever to lace him up. It's Drew Brees. You know, you're going to say most Super Bowls to to uh, to be won, Tom Brady. You're going to say most 5,000-yard seasons, you know, most yards while he was playing, Drew Breesiana. Anyways, that's just a thing to be said. Um, I appreciate him tapping in with me. Everything that, you know, he he's done on the field, you can't can't be replicated. Um, his leadership qualities can't be replicated. And you you aspire to be a leader. I mean, I go in day in and day out, like, how can I help better my teammates? So he calls a leader somebody who betters just people around him. And that's what I aspire to be. I'm trying to better my D-line. I'm trying to, you know, better my guys behind me. But, you know, I feel like guys like DeMar Davis are just as important as leaders. I feel like guys like Honey Badger and even Marshawn Lattimore, the way he's came on the season and becoming a leader himself, these are, you know, guys that are rally points. Um, on our defense and we're going to get better you know so whatever comes this next 10 weeks just know we are going full head of steam into this weekend make sure you tap in with the podcast spread the word tell your mama tell your mama's mama tell your mama's friends about us over at off the edge with cam jordan don't forget to give us a five-star rating leave a review follow us on apple podcasts the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts again I'm going to keep saying again because again is great. Thank you for tapping in with Off the Edge with Cam Jordan. It's been real. I've got to go watch my kids practice. Peace. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.